Hi again, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to China Manufacturing Decoded. Adrian from the Sophie's team here, joined by Renault, our CEO. Hi, Renault. Hey, hi, Adrian, and um, hi to all the listeners. Renault, you've been off around the world recently, yeah. and uh, you finally arrived in France, right? Yeah, correct, correct. I'm going to be here for the next few weeks, yes. A couple of weeks, in, a bit more than that, in uh, in India, and mm. then um, traveling around in, uh, in in Europe to see uh, see various other companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, took a bit of time off, not too much. Basically, long weekends, and mm-hmm. I finally uh, get back <laughs> down uh, in a place where I can catch up on everything. <laughs> Well, there's so, um, there's worse there's worse places to be than France in the summer, I'm sure. Yeah, correct, correct. Yes, it's now is um, just at the end of June, just before the tourists arrive and everything. Mm. You know, so, still okay. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you mentioned India. If anybody listening is interested in India, we created so much content about India in. June specifically, June 2022, and uh, put a bunch of really cool videos that you shot in some of the different factories onto our YouTube channel as well. So uh, I, I loved that. I loved seeing the different suppliers and and what's actually uh, capable in India at the moment. Mm, right, right. Yeah, because people don't, don't have any clue. Most people think India is for, you know, I don't know, T-shirts and flip-flops. <laughs> And, uh, and it's, it's it's much more than that. And mm. yes, they, they make a lot of hardware stuff. It's not just software. Uh, it's, it's a big country with a lot of capabilities. And uh, as a lot of companies are looking for alternatives to, to mm. China, and we discussed this with uh, Andrew Hubbard. Um, yes. When was that? Four or five episodes ago, I guess? Yes, start of June. Um, yeah, if you are going to to be selling products onto the U.S. markets, mm. it may become tougher and tougher to, to have these products made in China, right? So everybody's looking at places like Vietnam and, and Mexico, mm. and they're getting very, very full uh, because their production capacity is so much smaller than that of China. Mm. And, um, and there's so much, you know, so much production that, that goes into um into North America, UK, and other countries that might become, uh, you know, might get in a very bad relationship with China. Yeah. So they, they, they're very full and they're getting even more full. So the idea is let's have a look at India because actually there's been a lot of a lot of things have changed recently in India. Um, and a lot of production is actually going from China into India, but it's mm. usually it's a lot of large companies. Uh, relocating productions there, but what about what about uh, SMEs? Can they also do that? What can they find there? Mm. Right. So that that's um, that was really the the, the object of the trip. Mm. Yeah, fascinating uh, to see sort of how feasible it was. This and it's sort of like uh, okay, I I want to diversify away from China, Vietnam and Mexico, potentially quite small ponds to fish in. Where's a huge neighbor in India where they've got you know, vast workforce and uh, 
Sorry, in Asia, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, and the answer is India, of course, which is just sort of around the corner. So, uh, yeah, uh, really interesting to see that. I uh, enjoyed those videos and all the content about India. So that's one to look out for, guys. Now, this episode, episode 114, as we close in, by the way, rapidly on 20,000 downloads, can you believe? Yeah. So we're going to talk about how to reduce unauthorised subcontracting and this i think is perhaps quite specific to china in many cases but not exclusively <laughs> no, uh but no, right. right but but um so so we're going to talk about what subcontracting is or specifically unauthorized subcontracting the sort of problems it causes you when it happens and the sort of things that we can do to reduce the risks of it happening so our, our assembly supplier is actually doing this so how do we how do we reduce that risk mm-hmm. so to start Renault, what is subcontracting please well subcontracting is 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 normal to an extent mm. uh, no factory makes everything right so when they uh, let, let's say they're going to to st- you know, cut and sew a garment, they're not going to make the yarn, they're not going to dye the yarn and everything, you know, usually they will get that from outside, yeah. uh, you know, fabric rolls. Uh, they will also get all the, the sliders, the rings, you know, the, all the packaging accessories and, and so on from outside. And then their job is to cut the fabric, prepare the accessories, you know, and do all the stitchings and so on. And there are certain steps uh, that um, are commonly done outside, right? Such as, I don't know, you, you, they're making a pair of jeans and it has to be sent to an outside facility for uh, that special finishing blasting effect. So it looks like the jeans uh, have been worn already and, and so on. I mean, mm. usually this is done outside and all the buyers expect that. And it's, it's, it's normal, right? To take this example with garments. Uh, and and same thing if they make I don't know um, a um, a mobile phone you know is uh, all the display is going to be done in in house and all the all, all the metal parts all the plastic parts all the all the electronic parts and so on of course not a lot of that has to come from outside right and same thing for a car I mean eighty um, percent of the the of of the price of a car, if you remove retail, of course, you know, the distribution, but 80% of the price of the car or even more is, is the components that come from outside. So mm-hmm. it's normal to, to do certain things outside. Now, the problem is that sometimes it is, how to say, is the assembly or the, the cut and sew or whatever, the, the critical uh, manufacturing steps that the buyer expects factory ABC to do because they have qualified factory ABC. But factory ABC finds that for whatever reason, it's better to have it done in factory XYZ or maybe half of it in factory XYZ and they don't tell the buyer. And the buyer never hears about factory XYZ. They expect ABC to do everything, right? That is unauthorized subcontracting and that is a very big problem. Uh, at, at a number of levels, as we'll see. Yeah. It's not uh, just in China, but as we mentioned many times here on this podcast, the problem with China is that 
it's a relatively opaque environment. Very often the suppliers don't want you to know everything that's going on. Mm. And it's just very tempting to them to subcontract, you know, from ABC to XYZ, as I said, without telling the buyer. Uh, it's just sort of natural to them. Mm. They don't even see the harm in that, right? Uh, and obviously the same thing happens, you know, in, in, in Vietnam. I mean, also in non-Chinese owned Vietnamese factories, that's what, yep. that's what I mean. Uh, in, 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 in Bangladesh, there's been some very serious issues in Bangladesh with uh, Walmart Canada having their garments made by, a, you know, through an importer. It was supposed to be made in a certain factory that had been qualified, that passed the social audits and, and so on. And actually, another factory burned that they never heard, heard of. And their products, you know, labels and their brand was found in that factory that had burned and, and some people had died, you know. And they said, what, what's going on? How come our mm-hmm. production was over there? And the importer was like, I didn't even know that it was made over there, right? That was in Bangladesh. So it's, it's happening in a lot of places, right? Yeah. Um, I, mentioned, I mentioned social audits and it's a very serious cause of concern for brands and retailers that tend to do a lot of social audits they tend to um, they tend to be very very particular about who makes their their products Um, and one of the things that happens is that maybe a, a manufacturer has two or three facilities they will have one that is sort of the official factory. And it might be pretty small, actually, right? It might make only 10% of what they make. But it's clean, you know, it's, it's got everything according to the rules. It's got the staff who knows how to respond to the auditors. It doesn't, doesn't really do, um, you know, too many hours and so on. And, um, and then 90% of the rest of the production is done in other places, maybe in their own factories. And maybe it's just the building next door, right? But it's a different address, different place. The auditors don't go there. Mm. Uh, and then they, the auditors come in and they did, okay, everything is fine. And, you know, sort of, uh, you know, with a wink and a, and a handshake and, uh, okay, well, you know, it's fine, you pass. And uh, I, I don't really want to know if there's a lot of bribery involved in that. But in, in a lot of cases, social auditors don't, don't even need to lie in their reporting. You know, they, yes, the place that, that I just audited is okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's it. And in a lot of cases, it, it, it's okay. It passes, you know. Uh, it, now, some, some companies are smarter than that. If you want to pull that off with IKEA, uh, good luck. Um, they collect so much data about you. They they kind of know everything about you. If you're qualified and you you can't really cheat, right? Mm. If you want to work with them, you you have to do the hard work. But ninety eight percent of of the companies, including the largest companies, the, the largest retailers, they are not at that level. They, they they know very little actually about their their, their supply chain. So mm. um, there's a lot of games like this where it's supposed to be made here, but it's not really made here, you know, and, mm. uh, and, and that's a problem. Mm. Yeah, as soon as you say the words 
and they don't tell the buyer uh, for any particular topic that we're talking about on the podcast and it's many mm. i know immediately that's a big problem mm. uh and and you know one of the major things that we talk about and stand for at Sophie's is transparency in the supply chain and yeah. this is the absolute opposite of that this is oh, yeah. your supply chain is built on a lie not necessarily intentionally by you but by but because you don't know where things are being made at all or who's making them so oh, yeah. you don't have mm-hmm. you don't have control over your supply chain you don't know if your products are compliant in theory oh, yeah. they aren't because they've not been assessed well, yeah, let, let's go through the, the, the list of, of mm. issues. I, I agree with you. Okay. Um, they might, the products might not be compliant for a few reasons. First, maybe they have been certified, you know, maybe a UL certified or something like this, um, you know, to a standard that applies not only to the product, but also to the, the manufacturing facility. Yeah. The manufacturing facility is actually... You know, and CE uh, in many cases is the same. Like if you make medical devices, you, you, you know, you have to make that same medical device with no changes in design materials or anything uh, in the same manufacturing facility. And even I would say on the same equipment with the, nearly with the same people, you know, it's nearly down to that level of, um, of, of detail. And if production actually happens somewhere else, well, that, that's a huge problem, right? You're actually out of compliance, mm. right? Quality usually suffers greatly because in most cases, what happens? In most cases, there's a manufacturing facility that is qualified and they intend to, to do the job there. Okay, uh, you know, let's give the benefit of the doubt and everything, you know, but then they have peaks and valleys in their workload, right? They have a busy season and a not very busy season. So if you, as the buyer, you place orders in the season when they're not very busy, Mm. they will tend to do it in-house because anyway, they need to keep their staff busy and they have all the facility and all that stuff anyway. They're going to do it in-house usually. Mm. However, um, if you place some orders when they're very, very busy, Maybe they've already committed their capacity for the next three or four months, right? And maybe also their number one biggest customer expects them to make, you know, so much stuff and ship it out in in, in 30 days, 45 days, 60 days, that are, you know, a number of containers. Well, are they going to tell you, hey, sorry, now the lead time actually is five months, <laughs> Right. Or are they going to say, yeah, okay, fine. And uh, as usual, you know, send a deposit and blah, blah, blah. Usually they will they will tend to say, yes, okay, go ahead, right? It's fine, we'll do it. And then they'll be thinking, okay, where can we have it made? Mm. And then they will find another place where they can have the, the materials, the components delivered and, and say, okay, this is how you make it. This is a, an approved sample. And uh, send it back to us, and we'll uh, we'll we'll pack it together, right? Now, when they pick that other place, you know, again, ABC picking X Y Z, where production actually is going to take place, are they going to pick a really nice factory? Well, the really nice factory, number one, might be expensive, and number two, might be very busy too, because when it's peak season, 
when it's peak season in an industry, usually it's peak season for everybody. You know, if you look at, um, I don't know, garment production in Vietnam right now, they're, they're all busy. If you look at toy production right now in June, in or in China or in Vietnam, they're all busy, right? And the, the, the best ones are the ones, you know, <laughs> that tend to, to get the orders first. So, no, it's going to be a, a, a sort of a crappy factory, uh, usually a very small place that doesn't have regular customers yet or for whatever reason is not very busy. And they're going to be cheap, right? Mm. Um, so the manufacturer, ABC, sort of acts as a trading company and makes a little bit of margin on it. And uh, everybody should be happy, right? Well, maybe not, maybe because the customer might not be very happy about the standard of the products that they receive. Usually, when we see undisclosed subcontracting, we also see a quality disaster, right? Mm. Because you have a factory, the cheap and crappy factory that doesn't have the education, doesn't have the level, the standard, you know, is not used to maybe making the products at your standard. They're probably not getting a lot of training and follow-up from the ABC manufacturer that is extremely busy. And they're not getting paid much. You know, they, they, they're just putting stuff together and, uh, and shipping, shipping it back to ABC. That's what's happening. Mm. And then where is quality control happening? Again, remember, ABC is very busy. All of their quality control staff also is very busy, right? <laughs> so you, you can see quality usually suffers greatly. You don't see your supply chain. You, you don't have visibility over what happens. Uh, that's, uh, you know, as, as you already mentioned, your intellectual property is, you know... <laughs> is out there oh yeah you, you have an an, an, an um, xyz manufacturer that you don't even know about putting your mm. products together well what prevents them three months from now from you know making some more of it and selling it through the back door somewhere yeah. right absolutely nothing <laughs> right because they're not tied to any anybody they're not tied to you and in china abc and xyz will usually not have a contract or anything Sort they of might about, be cousins. Oh, they might be cousins, <laughs> which actually might, you know, make it more likely that they will steal intellectual property because mm. their cousin will not, you know, will not uh, harm the, the, the harmony in the family over that, mm. right? <laughs> so it's actually worse. Uh, or they might not even know each other. It might be a one-off transactional activity. I don't know which one is worse, actually. Yeah. <laughs> right. So... Mm. Yeah, all kinds of issues. Yeah, and obviously, quality issues. Yeah, can also be reliability issues. Can also be safety issues. So, ouch! That's mm. um, it can be um, can be quite quite painful for uh, for buyers. Now, I should also mention the ban in the U.S. on products made in a certain Western province of China, yep. about which there's a lot of controversy. If a company that imports products into the, US, the, the United States is requested by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection uh, Office, uh, 
to provide evidence about where their products were made, um, you know, if they if they have not visited the place during production, if they are not really, they don't really have hard evidence, they might get in trouble. You know, mm-hmm. where who knows where these products have have actually been made? Um, if if they don't have hard evidence about that, they might get into a sea of trouble. Um, you know, their 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 containers might just get blocked, and and um, and they might face all kinds of issues in the U.S. Now it's just is very new we don't know the all the, the potential impacts of that but having visibility over the supply chain can really you know can really save your ass uh well, can really prevent you from falling into a lot of these troubles well that and this is connected to the whole what one of the reasons why especially american companies are trying to diversify out of china because there are additional risks like this because it's not only that province right i suppose it's a bit of a no-brainer that avoiding manufacturing within that particular western province is is probably necessary for american importers but it's easy it's even staff at factories anywhere in china from that province means that the whole thing could be deemed completely non not acceptable and won't be allowed to be sold in uh in America, I don't even know if you would get into hot water uh, by by even trying to import it. I'm not entirely sure on the law on it. But and mm-hmm. so, if you don't know which factory is making your products, and then it does turn out after an investigation that at an unauthorized subcontractor they had people from that province working there, mm-hmm. and completely mm-hmm. unbeknownst to you, you're mm-hmm. still carrying the can. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! So. Again, all of this is highly speculative. Mm. Um, but if you read the text, uh, you know it's pretty clear that it, there is a ban. It is forbidden, and mm. it's a very serious offense to um, you know to try to import products made by people you know who might be forced to work. Um, so. Mm. The, the the yeah transparency into the supply chain is getting more and more important at many absolutely. levels. Yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Also in the EU as well because of the sustainable products regulation right. that uh, you it's... spoke about with Clive recently. Again, right. supply chain transparency a massive issue there for oh, yes. the product passport, uh, amongst other points in in, oh, in yes. that regulation. So yeah, all of this makes sense, and those are some serious problems that could be caused by something as simple as your supplier is busy and so thinks, oh, well, I, I need a bit of help to to fulfill this order, so I'm going to just farm it out. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it's, it sounds so simple, but it could cause loads of trouble. So with that in mind, then, how do we reduce those risks? Well, there's a number of things that you can do as a buyer. Number one, of course, you need to know who you're working with you need to collect some data right and as i mentioned when are they most busy when are they less busy because you know that your orders in the peak seasons of the factory will be uh, <laughs> let's say will come with higher risks mm. what is their capacity you know and 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 so what happens is and we see that sometimes with some some uh, some big orders, for example, some orders from Walmart, and this has been 
this has been said over and over over the over the years, and I'm not sure they really uh, improved on that. But what happens is that they will say, okay, first subcontracting is absolutely forbidden. You you know when they buy when they buy through an importer, they buy through an intermediary. Uh, the intermediary has to collect some information about the factory, and also there's audits and so on, right? Mm. And 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 they will say, okay, there's whatever, this is the, the quantity and it's going to be made. And, and then the factory says, okay, yeah, we can do that. If we, you know, with like two months, if we can keep working on on it for two months, it's going to be fine. But then there's some approvals, you know, the right, the right fabrics, the right color, the right everything. And things get delayed <laughs> on the approval side, but the shipment date doesn't get delayed. So, in the end, the factory maybe only has six weeks to 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 do what they, they they were supposed to do in two months, and then what do they do? Do they refuse the order, or do they find ways to you know to get more production done uh, <laughs> in 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 various ways? Of course, they will tend to get more uh, to, to get production done in other ways. So. You know, maybe they will make 80% of the production themselves and they will have 20% made somewhere else. They will send some materials by truck at night and get some others, but, you know, the, the finished products back um, uh, in other trucks at night. And it's very hard for anybody to really see what's going on. And they will, they will keep the waters very murky when there's inspectors doing inspections. The production status will not be clear and so on and so forth. I mean, mm. this is just... Um, uh, you know, so common, right? So you, you, you need to know the capacity and you need to have a plan. You need to have a plan for, okay, how many lines are going to work on this? How many, you know, how many pieces per day? Da, 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 right? Does it match or does it not match? Okay. And this has to be done early, you know, when you're sourcing the, 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 the supplier, the manufacturer, Mm-hmm. Um, and it has to be checked during the audit, right? Um, mm-hmm. Okay, what is the bottleneck uh, process step? Okay, is this one or this one? Okay, what what is the real capacity? Let's actually observe. Is it the same kind of product that we are going to uh, to have them made, right? So know what is possible, what is realistic. Then plan for it. Uh, and look at the fa- the ways the factory actually plans. A lot of factories don't have a proper planning system, right? Mm-hmm. Material control, production control, you know, they, they usually don't have these modules of the ERP uh, actually uh, in use. Uh, and, and that's fine. But do they actually have some kind of Excel file with a nice model where all the data are fed and that really takes into account all of the steps and all the typical lead times and, and so on and so forth, and all the standard times, uh, you know, in a very detailed manner or not. Mm-hmm. And yes, this will take a full-time position, of course. A planner is extremely important. It, it, it's a lot of work, right? But if they do not do that, well, there's several problems. First, Whenever they will tell you, yeah, okay, we can get it done by, um, you know, August 20. 
it's a rough forecast. Okay, it's usually not based on data because you have to take into account that they have to calculate everything with your orders plus all the other orders of the other customers. Mm. So um, it gets a little bit complicated if, if they don't have a proper pr production planning system. And also, if they don't have such a system, when you come in during production to check what they're actually doing, what the real production status is, and to to see what they've done and to sort of double check, you know, do a rela re reality check. Is this actually all made in-house? Can I actually see it with my eyes? You will not be able to do that or it's going to be very hard. But if they have a good planning system and they, 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 they collect the data every day about what they've done and they, 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 they refresh it, you can actually double check relatively easily. Okay, so sometimes on purpose, they will not show you a, a production planning system. Um, and, and, and that should be at least a, an, an orange flag, an amber flag, maybe not a red flag, but then you need to see, okay, how are they actually keeping track of their production? Do they have at least, you know, whiteboards at the end of the lines and whiteboards on each of the major, I don't know, fabrication processes maybe, um, where, where, where they actually write maybe hour by hour or maybe at the end of the shift, how many pieces were made versus how many were planned, right? If they don't even do that, how can you keep track of what's happening in production if it's a large order? It's very, very hard. Now, if they're going to make a thousand widgets, you can actually go in and count. But if, if they're going in, if they're going to make half a million pieces, there's no way you have to check the data that they actually that they themselves collect, right? right. Does that make sense? Or yeah, yeah, of course, because the scale. No, I understand. Mm -hmm. And of course, if capacity is not sufficient, sometimes uh, an engineer looking at that for one or two days can sometimes find ways to to increase the output mm. by 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 twenty percent or, or more. Uh, it's quite surprising sometimes. So if you think. If you feel that their, their process engineering skills are weak, you might want to send consult, consultants in there to, to take a look at it and to find ways to, to free more capacity. Um, mm. I mean, th there was a, uh, a case I remember uh, a while ago, maybe 10 years ago, in, um, in a cable factory. And I... I the, 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 the GM told me about that, right? I'm not, I was not really involved in that, but it's the most obvious example that I can remember. Their bottleneck was a molding operation. They have, they have these small uh, injection molding um, presses and, uh, and that was the bottleneck. And mm. then you could see the, per, the, the operator loading it. Uh, I mean, putting the, the cable in inside the fixture, then placing the fixture right as needed inside the equipment. And then pop, the, the cycle time started. And then she would take the, the, the stuff out and pull the cable out of the, the fixture and then pull the next cable in inside the fixture. And then someone smart said, wait a minute, if she has a, a second set of fixture, when she's waiting for, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds, um, 
because the the, the injection molding machine is 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 uh, is on uh-huh. is, is uh, you know nothing can be done well she already loads the next cable into the fixture right mm-hmm. and then this double the capacity at the bottleneck so it 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 raised the capacity of the of every one of the lines by i don't know 30 or 40 percent it was just you know sometimes it sounds so simple right mm. uh, but sometimes it really is that simple so ha- have a good look at what's holding capacity back because in some cases you can really have pretty big surprises so that's about the the factory's planning systems and their capacity and so on mm-hmm. It's also good to have a manufacturing agreement with the supplier saying that actually if they subcontract, you know, it's not allowed. <laughs> and if bad things happen, you know, they will be responsible for all of that. Yeah. And it's still shocking that in 2022, a lot of buyers don't have contracts with their manufacturers uh, because they still think that, hey, you know, China is sort of the wild west or wild east and uh, contracts are useless and so on. But it, it actually does bring a lot of a lot of good things, right? Mm-hmm. If you have an, an agreement, a legally enforceable agreement that says it's not allowed, um, black and white, the factory commits not to do it, and you have legal recourse and you can pressure them and you have more leverage if things really go wrong. Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. something that I always suggest people to do and um and they can they can google you know um, oem agreement manufacturing agreement you know, with chinese suppliers there's a lot of things out there mm. uh, on, on on the internet they um, can check the show notes as well because i will add our own content okay. about that topic i mean you've re- yeah. you've written on that loads of times yeah right and 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 in that content we have links to um to maybe more authoritative content from written from law but absolutely absolutely <laughs> Then let's say you've done all of that preparation work. You have the big order. You are afraid they're going to subcontract. Well, maybe give the supplier a pre-order, you know, as soon as you can. It's going to be this quantity. It's going to be this type of product. You're going to have that many days. You know, these are going to be the dates. Let them plan it and comment on it, right? Mm. Because if you just say, okay, here's the order. And then maybe situation has changed since last time you talked about it to them and they're like oh either we say yes and we find ways to do it or we we say uh, wait a minute and then everything can falls you know um can can um can be canceled mm, okay mm. let's not say anything let's take it no try to have a dialogue mm. right um and then if they say well maybe you know it's it's, it's too much or whatever okay then Maybe you have a, a way to to work with another manufacturer and qualify them, or maybe they will say, "Well, we would like to put it in that factory, but you know, here's our concern: we don't want you to go direct to that factory." Blah blah blah. Okay, let's sign a contract. You know, non circumvention of the supplier. You know, it, it's possible. Yeah. The buyer can commit not to put any production in that other factory, mm-hmm. and can commit to uh, you know using. The factory, their direct supplier, let's say ABC, as a trading company for XYZ that will make 25% of the products. And, and a lot of things can be discussed this way. But it's, it's really amazing how seldom this happens. This yeah. just doesn't even get on the table. Right? Mm-hmm. 
So try to try to create this sort of dialogue, try to get the supplier to open up. And then, you know, try to to get an idea about their plan. What are the, the main mi- milestones? And when are they going to be achieved? Roughly, okay, but get them to commit to a date and then have, you know, one of your representatives or an inspection company like ours go in from time to time, or if it's really a very big order, maybe every day, to mm. to check the real production status and also check quality of components and quality of production and quality of finished products at the same time, right? Mm. And if you have some suspicions or if you really want to show maybe your own customer that you're doing everything you can, it's okay to set up some unannounced audits as long as in your manufacturing agreement, it's mentioned that you can do it. Uh, and maybe, maybe it's mentioned that you can only do it on very big orders or so certain, you know, with some restrictions like this. Mm-hmm. But try to get the approval from, from your supplier that you can send some people unannounced you know, who will turn up at the factory gate at, uh, you know, 9 a.m. Hey, I'm coming from this this uh, this company, da, 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 da. This is the contract. This is everything. And this is the contact person. And, uh, you know, please let me come in. And if you have a question, you call my manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, you can just let me wait at the gate, right? <laughs> and then, you know, that person will walk in the warehouse and see what's there and see in production what's there. And... If according to the plan, they were supposed to have three lines working on your products, but actually there's only one line working on your products, then the alarm bells should ring, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if a lot of the material is, you know, doesn't seem to be at the factory, again, uh, the alarm bells should ring. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and do it once or twice and the manufacturer will be much more careful, let's say yeah. this way. Yeah, they'll know you're serious. And and not being in China at the moment, obviously we all know access to China is difficult, uh, but it doesn't mean this can't happen. And you can still get all of this information in real time, can't you? Uh, yes. So there's a number of companies against like again like like ours and others mm-hmm. that can do that job on yeah. the ground. Now I should also mention that sometimes the manufacturers are not very cooperative. And it does help a lot when someone actually working at the buying company, you know, for the importer comes in. Mm. Uh, So there has to be, you know, maybe some outside inspection people coming in, but then they can really push for certain things. But then sometimes it's also a good mix to have someone from the buyer themselves come in with all of their authority being the, you know, the buyer Mm. And saying, well, this is not good. You know, where's the GM? I want to talk to him. And uh, you, you get to change that. I don't want to see that tomorrow, you know, uh, because sometimes it's really necessary. So a mix is, is really a good thing. And the problem these days in closed countries like, like, like China, and really mm. China is the, the last big country to be that closed, unfortunately. But in, in a country like China these days, uh, that can be a challenge. So, mm. and suppliers tend to be less cooperative because they know that nobody from the buyer is going to 
to come to their door tomorrow is just going to be WeChat calls and Zoom yeah. calls and emails and you know they can delay things they can make things a bit more difficult mm. they, they are using it quite a bit i have to say and it's a bit painful mm. um, so that's uh that's the caveat <laughs> okay that those are great and i think it's quite interesting how you can take sort of legal action in terms of having an agreement but you can also put efforts into analyzing how the supplier is working and their processes and maybe optimizing them ahead of time to make sure that they don't have the, the need to subcontracts. That's interesting to me. So mm. yeah, that, that's a, a good couple of um, different kinds of advice there. That's, right. that's helpful. Yeah. Really, you don't want to put them in a position where they have no choice, but subcontracts. Yeah. If you do that, it's your mistake. You're yeah. responsible for it. Now, if you do everything you can to make sure that they can do the job without subcontracting mm. and then they subcontract, you know, you should be able to catch them and, and they should feel the heat. Mm. Right. I think that that's, uh, that makes sense. Right. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Regarding access to China, and this is a slight tangent, but related as of, I think, in the last day or two, and we're recording this at the very end of June, they've just reduced the quarantine from mm-hmm. between two weeks to three weeks in a hotel, as you're well aware, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, down to seven days plus three at home. Yeah, it, it was in some cities, it was up to four weeks. Yeah, actually. Um, that's, that's crazy. And now they say, yeah, basically 10 days. If mm. you live there seven days in a hotel, three days in your place. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's going to be in a government facility, not in a hotel now. Mm. Um, yeah, centralized quarantine mm-hmm. facility. Right, right. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it doesn't, well, doesn't sound like, very appetizing. I know, I, know, I know what it's going to look like. Yeah, jail. But uh, <laughs> anyway, um <laughs> Let's see how it goes because things yeah. are announced, but at the same time, they published something saying that uh, the current state of affairs in terms of uh, you know restrictions with for, for traveling and, and so on would last for five more years, yeah. <laughs> and then they they pulled it out. I don't yeah. know if you saw that article. Yes, I did. I did. Uh, t- what did they say? Twenty twenty seven. Five yeah. more years. So. Oh. Wow. So yeah, so so what I'm talking, uh, and and I think they, um, I think they've, or they're planning to get rid of the PU letter. So that was basically a letter that you need to get, giving you permission to even apply for a visa. Yeah, so for working two- visa only, correct? It was for working yes. visas only, and, and, and things even more difficult. Yeah, so they've now gotten rid of that for working visas and also for relative visas, so for spouses. So if you're a business visitor and you're thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me yet. No, probably not. But things are kind of changing. So I think they're trying to evolve what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. That's what I always say. Some people are going to jump on this and they're going to tell us, you know, how it works. Mm. And, uh, And then we'll know a lot more. Yeah. But... Sometimes they go in a certain direction and then they kind of freeze or they they actually, you know, maybe Beijing says something and then the cities 
want to do it in another way. Mm. You know how China is. Absolutely. And um, yeah, mm. it's encouraging. Things are seem to be going in the right direction. Seem to be opening up. Yeah. But yeah, they couldn't. You could go back on it in in another way. (laughs) Well, let's hope hope not. Let's hope not. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, uh, fingers crossed anyway. Right. Yes. Mm. Great. Okay. So there you have it. That was unauthorized subcontracting and how to avoid it or how to reduce the risk of it at least. So really good. Thanks, Renaud. Hey, thanks, Adrian. Yeah, that was a good one. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.